here with Manav Parikh. Manav, thank you very much for coming in for an episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, how, how long have you guys been doing this? It's been like a, a year or something, right? Yeah. Chesra and I started the podcast, I think, last last fall during COVID. Last and, fall. you know, it was so strange, like having classes online and we for didn't sure. really have too much stuff going on in the afternoon like we didn't have a sem like we had assembly but yeah. it was virtual and it was only some days of the week and the afternoons were just so wide open at least for me yeah. and I live super close by to Gilman so like I yeah. would teach my classes and then just kind of wander up here and I feel like I was like Chesre I kind of need to do something to keep busy in the afternoon yeah. you think yeah. we can start a podcast episode and just see where it goes and you know, it's been a lot of fun and talked to a lot of people yeah. here at Gilman. Absolutely, so, yeah, I've, I've watched a lot of the uh, episodes. You guys have had like almost 80, right? 80 or some odd episodes. That's amazing. Yeah. You, you might be number 80. No, this might be 78, 79, 70, but we're yeah, getting close. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. In, in an entire year. And you guys have like interviewed so many, so, so many awesome people. So, yeah, uh, super glad to be here. It's been yeah. fun. Learned a lot from, you know, the teachers and the coaches and the alums and students. Yeah. Um, yeah just kind of cool to peel back the layers a bit about who these different people are. And I think too, like as a student, you see your teachers in a specific way. Like they're the, you know, they're the person you yep. see for 80 minutes every other day for the year and then that's it. But yeah. Yeah. you don't really get to see all of the other interests and things that they do outside of the classroom. Right. So I think this is a way to kind of help with that. Yeah. Yeah. Help expose some of those different areas of school life. For sure. Um, Mono, tell me a little bit about when you first came to Gilman and kind of, you know, what your what your high school experience has been like um, thus far, because, you know, you're senior, graduating soon. Kind of want to talk about yeah. just your, your time here at Gilman today. And I don't know, I feel like you've had kind of a strange, like, two years, and now you find yeah. yourself in your senior year, and things are, you know, things are moving fast, so... I'll let you kind of talk about coming here and what this high school experience has been like. For sure, for sure. Yeah, no, I was, uh, we were all, all of us seniors were like saying at the beginning of the year how we all still feel like sophomores almost because between the 10th, our 10th and 11th grade, you know, COVID hit and the year it has never been, you know, fully five days in five days a week in person, uh, completely normal. And that was like, last time we had that was sophomore year. So we, we don't really feel like, seniors but um yeah no I, I i came to gilman in ninth grade um i i i used to live in connecticut um until eighth grade and so it was the summer before ninth grade we we moved to maryland um i, I went to a private middle school before um but you know gilman coming to gilman was a completely different environment uh you know learning the you know a new dress code all boys environment new state um you know just trying to make friends and uh a completely new environment for me uh mm -hmm. so uh and what i what i really found most about gilman that was uh really appealing to me is how many different kinds of things that students can engage in you know whether it be athletics every day of the week or a lot of clubs after school uh music ensembles and uh i just tried to you know really put myself out there try some things that i hadn't done before uh and uh you know, especially during that freshman year when I, I didn't really know many people, I found that clubs and doing a lot of extracurriculars was a great way to just connect with uh, upperclassmen, uh, people in my freshman class as well. Um, and since then, you know, I've tried to continue that for all four years of high school and uh, just stay engaged in whatever way possible. Yeah. 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 I feel like uh, we've gotten to know each other the past couple of years through Model UN and I've really just been observing you in Model UN because you run the show in there as a <laughs> upperclassman leader. Yeah, um, yeah. But how did you, I guess, decide to get involved with Model UN and some of the other extracurriculars that you, because I feel like you're very involved here at Gilman. That's one of the reasons I wanted to, to talk to you yeah. is you have your hands in a lot of different, yeah. different clubs and sports and activities. For sure. Yeah. Thank you. Now, um, uh, Model UN um, kind of was just, a decision that I made, you know, freshman year. I had never done model UN before in middle school. Um, in middle school, we I did model Congress, which is a similar type thing where you you simulate, you know, United States Congress, and everyone comes to committee with 
certain bills that they want to see passed, and you debate those bills over the course of the session, and uh, you kind of just debate with other uh, students. But Model UN really was the first time I kind of uh, delved deep into uh, international relations, th those kind of politics. I hadn't really uh, known much about that before coming to Model UN, and uh, I had met a couple upper upperclassmen. A lot of them were in Model UN, and they just encouraged me to do it. And uh, I joined it, and my freshman year, I think it was in the spring, I went to my first conference with the Gilman team at, at Johns Hopkins, and uh, I, I just fell in love with it, honestly. I think um, the experience is so unique where, you know, you're, it's over the course of three days, you're put into this room with almost 100 some odd kids who have the same topic as you. You guys don't know each other. Everyone represents a different country, and you're supposed to just debate and try to solve a problem together. Um, and I just really enjoy the the collaborative and competitive aspect of it as well. I mean, you know, everyone, all countries in the world have different interests, but um, the really the goal of Model UN Committee is just to work together, try to work together and, uh, you know, pass solutions. I think you've seen us do these practice unmods in mm -hmm. uh, Model UN Club time where we all split up into different groups and, you know, you try to come up with a bill, um, come up with a resolution paper that, you know, answers, you know, uh, the solution uh, the problem at hand, the hand. So yeah, uh, it was yeah the the first conference. I had no idea what what I was doing uh, honestly. But uh, after that, I just felt like I had learned so much oh, just over that course of three days, and I wanted to keep uh, going forward with it. So, yeah, yeah. It's very convenient that it was at Hopkins, um, and I think the way you're describing Model UN, and again, I don't really know that. Even though I'm the advisor, I don't really know that much about. Model UN because yeah. you guys kind of run the show. You know what you're doing in there. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the perfect way of describing it is collaborative and competitive because Absolutely. from my observations, you guys are always prepping for something and learning more about these countries and yep. kind of just getting ready to almost like a sport, defend your arguments and defend your 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 intentions and uh, for sure. yeah. preparing for the counter arguments. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah, I, I tell the guys that, um, you know, there's a lot that we can do in club time. We can you know, do, recently we've been doing simulated committee sessions where uh, I give all the guys a country and we act like they're at a conference and Henry and I are, are, are the chairs and we just act like we don't know the, we don't know the guys in the club and they're just supposed to use the parliamentary procedure and kind of act like this is a real thing. But I tell them often that, you know, you learn the most in the actual committees, um, just being there on the day, just, you know, trying to step outside your comfort zone and uh, just speak, speak in front of 100 people that you've never met before and spe try to speak eloquently about an issue, I think is something that has really, uh, I've learned from doing all these Madiwan conferences. And that's kind of been how my leadership style is. And I feel, you know, confident as a leader of Madiwan because uh, of all the practice I've gone in these, these committees and just speaking, you know, thinking on my feet quickly, mm -hmm. um, being able to just collaborate with anyone, try to work out problems in a, a really short time frame. Um, that's that's kind of what Madiwan has taught me uh, throughout these these years. And we've been to a number of conferences and I've, you know, enjoyed all of them, made some some awesome memories. So how do you think those skills develop for you? Are they, those develop at the conferences or just on the day to day club meetings? You feel like the practice um, discussions and debates are helpful in, in, you know, building those skills? Yeah, I, I think, I think it's, a, it's a mix of both. Um, in the club time, you know, of course your skills can grow, but I think, you know, the real growth occurs when, um, you, you, how you're nervous, you know, even I get nervous when I go to these conferences because it's just, you know, everyone gets nervous when they speak publicly for the first time. And, mm -hmm. you know, the first time you speak at the beginning of the first committee session and you're called on and you're supposed to just make a, a nice opening speech, that's when the nerves first come out. But what during the, the actual club time at Gilman, I mean, you know, all the guys who you're speaking to and we just try to create an environment where if people mess up, hey, that's okay. You know, you're going to do that in committee session and we really want to teach them how do you overcome after that, after you make such a mistake, you know, how you can just rebound and finish your speech and, you know, finish strong. So right. I think um, a lot of it does come from club time, but uh, the actual committee sessions, I felt like my growth has just, you know, risen exponentially um, just 
just the nerves and the pressure and um, just, you know, the discomfort of being there, you know, at the beginning. And then, yeah. 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 I mean, speaking in front of people is such a difficult skill to to develop. And I think I I don't think even in in high school or college, I really had much experience getting up in front of people. Yeah. Like we just w- wasn't part of, I don't know, assignments in high school. A little bit sure. more in, yeah. in my college classes, but still not very much. Until I started teaching like a few years right. ago and getting comfortable in front of people every day, yeah. I had never really thought about how, how hard that is. But I think Gilman does a good job with assemblies and the senior speeches Absolutely. and yeah. some of the club opportunities of giving you guys some practice with that. Yes, yeah. For sure. I think, um, you know, it's been also in classes, I think uh, a lot of the English history classes are uh, presentation based and a lot of discussion and a Harkness table style where everyone is just encouraged to just speak their speak their mind. And uh, you just open the floor. Uh, teachers, you know, open the floor just to anyone's opinion. And I think that's one of the best organic ways to just develop your speaking skills because uh, you have, you know, some information and you're supposed to synthesize it and um, just try to speak, speak on it. And I think that's, you know, I've just, over the years, I've just taken these different experiences, whether it be in class, model UN, um, you know, outside of school, whether, you know, just meeting new people and that's kind of all helped shape my, my public speaking ability. So, yeah. yeah. Do you think you're going to do a, have you done a senior speech yet or no? I, my senior speech is, uh, next week on the 19th. Actually. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, uh, doing a senior speech has always been, uh, a goal of mine since freshman year I think you know ha- having seen a lot of upperclassmen that I know give senior speeches and um, mm-hmm. just them sharing their story in front of the whole school and being able you know the courage that they have to talk about something that's really close to them in front of the whole community I think uh, is just a really awesome experience um, and one I've wanted to do for a while absolutely so, yeah. what is what is the I guess prep for your speech been like, like yeah. what is the process of you know, thinking about a topic and going about writing it, getting it edited, proofed, and practicing that? I think half the battle is really just choosing what you want to write about. Um, And over the past few days and weeks, I've been giving it a lot of thought. And every time I come up with a a topic, I like keep thinking and then, oh, this, you know, this might seem a little bit better. Um, And I think the main thing that I try to think about is what would speak to the guys in the Gilman community the most Um, and what's something that from my life I can bring, I can share with them that might, you know, give them so give them a new outlook or perspective. Um, But I think most of the prep is just a lot of introspection that, you know, thinking it to yourself about what, you know, the last four years at Gilman. Um, And I think preparing for the senior speech has been a great way to just reflect on my time at Gilman as a whole, um, because, you know, trying to, center on and focus on one experience that you've had that you can you can talk about as uh forces you to just look at each year of high school and you know the the major milestones of that so so it's a little bit different probably than the essays you had to write for college because you're trying to tailor it to the younger students and get them thinking about their time and i don't know i feel like you guys have had to write so many different essays for college. Are yeah. you are you thinking along the same lines as some of those essays, or, or making it a bit different for? I, I think I, I started to think on the same lines, um, as as in I'm just trying to think about something unique about my life, my perspective that I can share with you know someone who I may or may not have met before. But I think what's unique about a senior speech is the fact that. You know, you've been with you. You are all in the same community, so you 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 share the same values, same schedule. I mean, a lot of the classes you share you know, are same. Well, as in when you're writing a college essay, the people who are going to read it are you know from probably from different backgrounds as you. You know, they've probably much older, and they've high school was a while ago for them. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for a senior speech, um, you have to think about like. Although I'm in the same community as guys, we all play a sport. We all go to class every day. We're all here at 8 a.m. But um, what's different about what I do? Um, so it's it's been a bit tough because um, we're all we're all very close together, and that speaks to the Gilman Brotherhood that to try to be fostered here. So yeah, yeah. I don't want to give I don't want to have you give any spoilers away. But but what are some things that you're maybe thinking about for that for that speech? Yeah. Um, 
I was thinking about maybe talking about uh, my college side. This year, I, I had the privilege to take a, a college math class at a university around here at JHU. Um, I thought that would be a great topic to talk about because uh, it's made me really think about the way I see the Gilman community, and that's occurred from an off-campus experience. You know, mo one would think that being on campus has helped you see Gilman community in a new way, but I think it's interesting how being off campus has helped, you know, shape my uh, perspective of the Gilman community, especially in this final year of high school. So I thought that would be interesting. I was also considering maybe talking about my tabla, my Indian percussion instrument that I've been playing for a while uh, in the jazz band. I did uh, an assembly with Mr. Jacobs. That was awesome. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, a few weeks ago, and maybe just talking about that and how... Uh, how, how I came to, to do that in the jazz band and stepping outside your comfort zone. So I've been considering some topics like that. Yeah, um, but those are awesome. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm still yet to just synthesize and, you know, write, write it up. And uh, I, I always love speeches that, you know, have stories in them and have incorporate a little bit of humor. So I'm just trying to, you know, incorporate that a little, in a little bit there uh, as much as I can. So, yeah, definitely yeah. a daunting task, but you, I mean, through your experiences th speaking in front of people and writing and it's got to be a little bit easier for you, but still, you know, sure. it's yeah. a lot of, a lot of, a lot of thought goes into about what, what could be meaningful and what could resonate with the, with the school. So it's a cool experience. It does. Yeah. It is a great experience. I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah. So, yeah. so tell me about this math class that you're taking at, at Hopkins and sure, what yeah. that, whole thing has been like for you yeah no it's been an, an awesome experience um i applied so i took apbc calc last year which was uh the second you know most students take it their senior year i got to take it uh junior year um and then after i, I took this exam uh, i talked to mr guline and i i knew uh a couple of gilman uh, current gilman alums who had done it year year above me two years above me and um, James Zollinger and Daniel Curgeon. I, I spoke with them, and you know they both said it was an awesome experience um, being able to just you know go off campus and take a, a class. So this year it's been um, it's it's in the fall was especially tough because you know they treat you like a regular college student. So um, but the lectures are virtual. Uh, so unlike at Gilman where you, you you go to class every day, they they release a set of videos on. Um, the platform and you're supposed to just watch that it amounts to about two two and a half hours of lecture time mm -hmm. and you watch that and then you complete a problem set um, and every Thursday I uh, I leave after third period and I, I go to the Homewood campus and I do the in-person components of the class as in they have a pilot session which is like a, a group study session where you you do you do a problem set with a bunch of people who are in the class, same class as you, and hmm. you work collaboratively to just talk and think about the problems that are related to the week. And then um, we have a TA session where um, one of the, the TAs, he gives us a little bit of lecture, goes over the material, um, gives us a quiz, uh, you know, stuff like that. So it's been awesome in that I've been able to meet a lot of Hopkins students, um, just experience what college life and college classes are like uh, in the final year of my high school and kind of see how college life relates to high school life and what are the, the differences between that. Yeah. And so um, I, I'm really thankful to have, have done it. And um, I, I did I did differential equations last semester and then I'm doing Calc 3, Calculus 3 this semester. So Calculus 3? Yeah. Oh, yeah, my it gosh. Is, it is very challenging, um, I, I will <laughs> say. It is... Uh, I, I knew this. I knew I would get a challenge, and you know I was ready to to take that on. But uh, you know, especially be with the fact that I'm not used to having virtual lectures, and in college, you know, you you don't always have your teacher beside you. You can you know stay after class and ask them a question, or mm -hmm. you know send them a quick email. I think college study is a little bit more independent than right. uh, I originally thought. So it's been uh, a bit of a transition to that, trying to accustom to that kind of life, but. Um, I've, I've, I've joined it. I've learned uh, a ton of stuff. So, yeah, yeah uh, I think it'll be great when I matriculate next year. I'll have, you know, some knowledge with me uh, when I start. So, yeah, we yeah. had we had in college some of those video um, video courses where you're just sitting at home and yeah. watching. And at first yeah. I thought, well, this will be good. And then I can make my own time and my own schedule and figure out when I could watch this. Yeah. 
Um, but honestly, I think I would prefer the like going directly to class and Same sitting here. in the room yes, because exactly. life just gets in the way. And, and yeah. that lecture that you were supposed to watch on Monday, now all of a sudden it's Thursday. <laughs> now you're behind. So absolutely, yeah. we had that similar situation. I just always felt like being in the actual presence of the speaker was helpful, but For sure. there are, there are benefits to it, right? You can slow it down. You can repeat. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, you know, you can watch it again if you want. And, um, but no, I, I do believe that in-person instruction, I think works best for me as a learner. Uh, I, I respond positively to just having the speaker there, as you said, and, um, being able to ask questions in real time and, you know, Hey, if you don't understand something, can you tell the teacher, can you maybe backtrack you know a bit and just talk about that a little bit and i think it just makes it uh, a better experience i just learn better that way but and yeah. after you know after taking two semesters of math i'm not sure i can give a, a really informed opinion i might have to do a little bit more and i'm sure you you get used to it as it goes on um, but uh, i've just uh, i've enjoyed being in person more and just learning from the teacher being right there and respond you know engaging with them um staying after class and talking about something uh, mm -hmm. that confuses me, that surprises me. And, you know, um, in, but yeah, it's, in it's been interesting. What ways yeah. has the, uh, has the trip over to Hopkins for math maybe excited you for next year for college? Yeah, I think um, what, what's great about the class, I think uh, is the amount of just people you meet, you know, it's, you're very, you're free to do really whatever you want as long as, the, the the minimum requirements are just you know hey you need to get the problem set in by the end of the week you need to watch the lectures we have a group project now and then but i think uh what's really excited me is that you're free to do whatever whatever you want you can learn whatever way works best for you mm -hmm. and i think uh, going into college next year it really forces you to think about what habits work for me what kind of study techniques work for me you know do i am i Am I good at note taking? Am I, you know, do I respond positively? Do I learn better when I take notes or do I learn better when I just watch the videos again and again? And I, you know, do that on repetition. I think uh, doing that this year has really uh, forced me to question and kind of reaffirm what kind of study habits I, I learned from Gilman if they work really and with more difficult material, higher material, you know, yeah. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff. So, For sure. Yeah. So next year, University of Pennsylvania. That's University exciting. Pennsylvania. I I did not know that Monov until I saw on the uh, Gilman College Instagram yeah, page yeah, 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 yeah. that I saw you you're headed there next year, which is awesome. Um, Thank good you. for you. Thank I'm you. actually going to be up there on Saturday. Oh, Harvard awesome. plays Penn in lacrosse. So I'm gonna, awesome. going yeah. home for the long weekend, so I'm yeah. going to check that out. Yeah, no, I think Penn is going to be bustling on Saturday. I think they have the Quaker Day there and, you know, the, the Penn Band is supposed to come. So I think it'll be a, uh, an awesome experience on Saturday, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. City um, of Philadelphia. I know. it's It's been awesome. I went yesterday for, I was telling you, for about the Quaker Days and the Accepted Students Day. And I just, we, that was like the first time I, I took like a formal tour of the campus uh, with being able to go inside the buildings. Like the past year when we were, before we applied to college in the fall, we took like tours of the outside of all the campuses and you know we, we weren't able to go inside into the buildings because of the COVID precautions but mm -hmm. um yesterday i was able to see you know some of the dorms go inside the libraries and stuff and uh, i loved it you know philly is just awesome and especially penn where you have that mix of the the campus kind of vibe on the locust walk that main walk and outside you have the city um and just you know life goes on in the city as normal but in I just I just love that mix between the two and um, yeah yeah I'm really looking forward to next fall. So I think it's a perfect yeah. perfect fit because it's somewhat close to home, um, but you still will feel like you're on your own and you're independent and you know it's a beautiful spot. So yeah, yeah. good for you. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. What was your what was your like college process like like for someone who's a junior right now or an underclassman? What is that whole process like and what? What advice do you think you would have for someone who's coming up through the ranks and is going to start applying to school soon? Yeah, I, I think um, the beginning of the college process is, is is really tough. I think, again, it just takes a lot of introspection about, hey, where do I want to end up? I mean, you know, you can look at names of schools and you can look up programs that they have and the type of class they have, which 
really helped me to be honest. But I think what helped me the most was to think about, hey, will I be comfortable close to home, far away from home?、Mm-hmm. Um, do I like the city or do I like the, you know, the more traditional campus kind of vibe? And、um, for me personally, I, I wanted to stay somewhat close to home,、um, and Penn was seemed like the perfect option because it's. Not 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 too far, and as you said, you know, you still gain that independence.、Um, but yeah, over the, before I applied, we we kind of took the summer to、um, go around all the campuses. We took like a road trip up the northeast, and I I was mainly focused on northeast schools. But、uh, I would say that the biggest thing that helped me was、uh, to talk with Gilman alumni who are currently at that school,、mm. um, especially during COVID, where we weren't able to. Have formal tours, go inside any of the buildings, and most of the information just comes from the website or you know by by word of mouth. I think、um, you know I, I over the summer I did like twelve, thirteen Zoom meetings with a bunch of different alumni、uh, from Gilman, Bryn Mawr.、Um, I, I met with them on Zoom, asked them you know hey how are you liking it about their experiences, and a lot of them had the same interests as me. You know they're pursuing a STEM major.、Um, And and I that that helped me by far the most because you know I was talking to guys who had went through the same thing as me at Gilman,、um, and asking them about their transition from Gilman to that school and how that how similar it was to Gilman I think really helped、uh, in deciding which place I want to apply to. So how did you identify some of the current students at at these schools? And I think also that's a great idea because especially during COVID, that you know every college is going to look amazing on their yeah, front web page,、exactly. right? It's it's pretty superficial, and if you can't tour the, you know, the inside of the schools, it's going to be hard to figure out if that's a good fit right, for you. Right, right, right. I think I think the whole like college process is such a feel thing. Like yeah, you're not going to really know. It's such an intuitive. Like, do I feel good? Does、for、this、sure. feel right for me on this campus? Yeah, and it's you know it was obviously very hard to do that during the the last two years. Yeah, yeah. No, a lot of them、um, were kids from like the class of twenty 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 one, two thousand nineteen. Kids who、uh, Gilman alums who I had been with for the my ninth and tenth grade, and I had I'd made some、uh, connections with them、um, through you know these clubs and and all. And so once they They moved on. I kind of saved their contact and you know just reached out to them.、Um, so、a couple were you know family friends and、um, and we you know their family friends actually had you know their the students' friend who actually was from Baltimore you know went to Bryn Mawr Gilman. So it it kind of、uh, it worked out well because、uh, I was able to just utilize this Gilman network that we all talk so much about, especially in your final year. I've heard so many. Times about hey you guys are now part of this Gilman network and this Gilman you know web but I, I never really realized how helpful that is until I started the college process and I found these alumni、uh, and was able to talk to them get their experiences and it was amazingly helpful so yeah, yeah. great、um, good for you thank you、um, how did you know that you wanted to、uh, pursue the STEM Is that something that、yeah. you found at Gilman? Is that pretty natural? You've been interested in that field for a while. You kind of know what what area you want to go into. Obviously, strong math student,、um, so、um, that makes that makes sense. But how how do you know that that's what you wanted to do? Yeah, I've I've, I've always been interested in STEM、um, from a young age. You know, I, I was、uh, my my dad is a doctor, and so you know, seeing him, I've, I've like when I was young, I used to like go and. See what kind of work he does, and、uh, you know. More recently, I've kind of realized in high school that I, I'm a strong math student,、uh, and doing these math, this math class. And、uh, last summer, I did some research at Johns Hopkins Medicine with a, a physiology lab, and I was able to, you know, do hands-on work with scientists at the lab, and I, I really loved it. And、mm-hmm. um, for for my senior encounter, I'm going to. A shadow and anesthetist at Hopkins,、nice. and I'll be able to be inside an operating room and see how how all that kind of stuff works and interact with surgeons and stuff. So I think、um, I've always been interested in it, and、uh, you know, math and science has always been a passion. I've always really loved learning about the why,、uh, why things happen,、mm-hmm. and、um, it, it's maybe sounds a bit cliche, but.、Um, I just it's always spoke to me. I think、yeah. um, math, math, and science, and I, I, I absolutely love the humanities. But、um, you know, if 
right now, if I'm to make a decision, I think it'd probably be STEM. But I think what's great about Penn is they emphasize that well-rounded education with, you know, including some humanities classes, English classes. So I'll, I'm sure to enjoy that next year. Excellent. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you have to, I mean, you don't even really have to know what you want to do your freshman year, right? It's more towards your sophomore, end of your sophomore year when you declare a major, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I I put down uh, mathematical biology uh, on um, my my pen application. I thought, you know, that was perfect because it combines both, you know, math, which I really love in science. And uh, I, I looked at, you know, the course list and pen releases, you know, what all the course requirements and it looked great. I mean, you know, good, great mix of math and science and mathematical, you know, mathematical biology is such a, a niche field. And mm-hmm. um, recently I've been considering whether I want to do something with computer science or data science as well. Uh, I'm doing AP Comp Sci this year at Bryn Mawr and I've, I've really enjoyed that as well. And I think um, I feel that the future of medicine is more going to be data oriented or, you know, more technology oriented. So I think uh, maybe pursuing a degree that combines technology, math and science would be, you know, Mm -hmm. beneficial and something that's, you know, not only passionate, um, one of my passions, but it would, would, would help in the future. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What's that, what's that comp sci class over at Bryn Mawr like? It's, it's great. It's, uh, most of it is, you know, coding based. It's on not really, the usual AP classes where it's all handwritten on paper and most of the stuff, most of our learning occurs on this REPL, REPLIT website where it's a open source like coding platform where he releases labs and you know our homework is to complete those labs and kind of just work with the problems and he teaches us material at the beginning of class and then the labs you know really apply that material and in, in a real code and you're supposed to just finish that code and I think uh, what it's great it's a unique way to just learn java which is the language that uh, we learn in ap comp sci a nice. um, and uh, i've always just responded effectively to taking learning material and then applying it and then you know strengthening my understanding of the material through doing labs and you know hands-on empirical work with, yeah. with that material yeah. i think which which this class really emphasizes so uh, i've enjoyed it a lot pretty big yeah. class are there a lot of students in there yeah i think there are like four four or five sections okay. up at Bryn Mawr, Got two, it. two different teachers and stuff so a, a lot of my friends are doing it this year and uh i i dabbled in some different types of coding languages in ninth tenth grade i did robot freshman year robotics with dr salcedo um mm-hmm. and we, we learned a bit of python there and i i did HTML and CSS in middle school, and so oh, wow. yeah, wow, you're it, ahead of the curve here. Yeah, I I, um, I kind of dropped dropped off a little like tenth and eleventh grade, but um, uh, Java is, was completely new to me, so I've I've really enjoyed learning it and seeing you know the similarities between Python and other languages. So and those yeah. are, I mean, I could be wrong here, but I think those are the most common languages that are used Java and Python. I mean, I they're... believe so. Yeah, um, I think. I'm not sure. I, I know Java is definitely used a lot. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, I think what makes Java so uh, useful is that a lot of the syntax that you learn in Java is applicable to other languages. And right. a lot of it is similar. So if you know Java, then, you know, learning a different language like Python would be pretty easy because a lot of the logic, you know, their Boolean logic and okay. if else, all that kind of stuff is, is you know, transcends different languages i took i took computer science and that was um that was the course in college it was like the largest course that they had to go virtual because they didn't couldn't fit everyone in the lecture hall (laughs) so i would watch the i would watch the videos and that was helpful to me because i could rewind and say like what what did this guy just say what is he talking about yeah 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 but i just remember from computer science i was up till three four in the morning and those in those groups trying to figure out where my semicolon was missing (laughs) And I was just I like, I'm not doing this anymore. It's, yeah, it's, it's horrible <laughs> when you like write the code and everything else is correct, but like you're looking through the mistake and they, I think they call it like debugging or something. Yep. That's just like the worst part of coding, honestly. I, I love like writing the actual code, but then when it, when there's an error, it's just it's it's so hard because you have to like look at each line of code again, and then each line has to be picture perfect, otherwise it won't run and there'll be a problem. So. And all, I think all of that just comes with experience and just doing it again and again. And it's again. all practice. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
Um, what has been your favorite or one of your favorite classes or some of your favorite classes that you've taken here from, from ninth to 12th grade? I mean, I'm sure that's a tough question, but any really memorable courses that, that you've had? Um, I think, yeah, there's been a number of them. Um, one of that stands out is English, my 10th grade English class with Miss Knapp. Um, she's an awesome teacher and, uh, I really enjoyed that class because, uh, the way she taught it was largely discussion-based and we would read stuff for homework and then she would just open it up and we'd all sit in a circle and just she'd give us a question and then we all you know talk about it and I think we use like the fishbowl style here and I, I thought it was great because very organic conversation and uh, we were free to just voice whatever opinions we wanted and you know she was okay with anything really and I think in uh, just talking you know about the book you know not in a very formal manner it kind of under strengthened our understanding of the the books and the mm-hmm. themes and stuff itself so i think that was a, a, gr- a great class um and you can learn from each other right i mean sure. it's not just yeah. the teacher sitting up there talking about what miss knapp's interested in yeah. it's like what what you guys are all noticing and observing yes. and thinking about yeah for sure um i, I think then she she made sure to emphasize that and she like you know, gave us the question and she steered the conversation, but it was largely up to us to, you know, decide where the conversation is going and, you know, learn from our peers. So that was an awesome class. I really enjoyed, um, I'm doing AP bio with, uh, Mr. Doc, Mr. Fitz this, this, uh, this year. Uh, this is, I've been always wanting to take that class and Mr. Fitz had been, um, my fresh, my fresh soft soccer coach and, I, I, he's my mentor in the Red Cross club. And so we've been, uh, you know, I've known him for a while, but it was only until this year that I've actually had him in a class and he's, uh, awesome. He, you know, his passion for the material really shines through and, and, uh, the amount of labs we do hands on stuff. And, um, it's, he really just takes time to explain, um, you know, like what all these biological concepts in like a real, a real world setting, Mm -hmm. uh, and, the most of the the material this year in AP Bio is uh, in the context of like human body systems. So we went through like nervous system and digestive system and all that kind of stuff. And we were you know forced to use all that basic biology that we learned last year in Honors Bio and then apply that and see how that all comes together. And hmm. um, I think it's it's been awesome, especially since I want to considering doing pre med pre medicine in yeah. college. Yeah, uh, it's it's been great to learn that and you know get a head start with that. So, nice. Those are, those are two, and there's like a, a tons of other ones that right. I can name, but um, yeah, I've uh, I, I haven't had a bad class at Gilman. I, I I'll say the truth. I think in all four years, I've learned so much from all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though you know, in things like such as art and music history, where uh, those are classes that I originally went into it and I didn't really have much interest, I didn't really know much about, but I came out of that class saying. Uh, hey, I, I learned so much without even me knowing it, and just looking at art or hearing different types of music, you know, changes your thinking in, in different subjects as well. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, how about how about most challenging class that you've had? Most challenging. That is a hard one. Um, it's got to be one of those college level math classes or computer yeah, science. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, I I think that the J two class has definitely been the most challenging, and you know, the the jump from. BC Calc, which was extremely challenging in, in itself, but going to that next level, um, right. I, I didn't really know like the order in which you're supposed to take college math classes. So I ended up starting with differential equations, which is not really the place you should start because I think <laughs> it like assumes you have some knowledge of calculus three. So it was uh, it was extremely difficult. You skipped a few levels. Yeah, I, they you know they said you needed to have an AP BC Calc requirement and you need to have a take of that but i think uh the just the jump in difficulty of the material and it gets a lot more theoretical as you go higher up on the uh you know in, in collegiate math so i think that or um maybe i think physics ninth grade that was also mm. extremely challenging um just because we hadn't encountered such material before and yeah. it was you know Teachers also concede that it's a hard class, um, and you know because it's it's very math based, very like you know you you got to have a good 
knowledge base of science and you know like you have to be really good at like logic and all that kind of stuff i feel to be good at physics and it took some adjusting to in that first semester of ninth grade and you know you you go really fast through the material because there's like hundreds of years of physics to to, to cover so it's a tough age yeah. to be taken tough age, physics yeah, for sure for sure tough age for sure um yeah, I, I think like a lot of my friends um, who are still in Connecticut, they like take physics their junior year and they were all surprised that, oh, yeah. you, you, you're taking your freshman year? Oh my yeah. God, that must be super hard. But uh, I, I learned so much from that course. And I think the more challenge you get, the more you're supposed to rise to the occasion and you come out of that class a lot, a lot stronger and ready mm -hmm. you know, to tackle other science courses in, in the rest of your Gilman career. So I think it is a great decision that Gilman makes to have them do it freshman year and see, you know, this is the type of challenge that, you know, you're supposed to, to rise up to. This is, you know, where you, where you want to be. And so. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Mana, well, I want to get into your instrument a little yeah, bit, but sure. maybe since we're on the subject of Gilman and yeah. in college a little bit, thinking about, you know, graduation in a little bit over a month, right? Like I think so. Yeah. Yeah. A little yeah. bit over a month here. Yeah. Um, thinking about your four years here at Gilman, uh, what do you think makes the school work so well? And what do you think you're going to miss about it the most? Kind of a deep, tough question, but yeah, um, just thinking ahead a little bit. And th that's a kind of question I've considered while like thinking about my senior speech, because, you know, it's a lot about the senior speech is a lot about like reflecting on your time at Gilman, as I said, and. I'm thinking about like what you'll miss the most and what kind of lesson you've taken from the community. I think uh, by far it's, it's got to be just the, the brotherhood and the, all the connections that we've made between each other. And uh, I really love the fact that the Gilman, each of the class sizes are so small mm -hmm. and that you're able to just create connections with everyone. Um, and uh, I don't really think many people, especially in my class, we don't have such, such closed friendship groups. We're all just, you know, in the senior room, we're all just talking to each other, moving around, you know, we all know, everyone knows everyone. And I think that's something that I, I don't think will happen again for a while, especially not in college where the class size is huge, you know, thousand, 2000 kids. Um, and having that brotherhood there, I think is something that I'll miss because, you know, you learn how to become a, a good friend, a even better friend, just because everyone you know everyone you're supposed to you know be it be there for each other and Gilman emphasized that I think even through the dress code you know through wearing a tie and shirt you know not very we don't we don't all like it because it's <laughs> not the most comfortable thing to wear but we all go through it and you know they put us through the same experiences so that you all can us we can all connect on a really deep level and hey you know you're you're having a bad day you know you all your guys will come and will come and help you and make you feel better you know, you're not ever, no one enjoys dress code, but hey, all your whole, all your classmates are going through the same thing. So it's really easy to connect. And so I think just the Gilman environment is in general, just makes it really easy to form such deep friendships and great bonds. So yeah, hope that, hope that answers your no, question. It's for a sure. super, no one, super hard one. No yeah. one can really stand out by the way they look, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. it's, you're all in the same level. You're all in it together. For sure. What it's all about. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, I think being at JHU and, you know, going to Penn yesterday really has made me appreciate the type of the the community that Gilman fosters and the fact that they have lessons really hidden everything that you do, you know, whether it be going athletics every day to just work on yourself and push yourself and, you know, everyone plays a sport, but it's up to you to kind of go how, how how much do i want to improve and it's it's all up to you whether you're on a team whether you're playing individual sport um things like that i think you know gilman has been such an awesome place and I, I've, I've started to feel as the senior year has progressed and now with a month left before i graduate that i've really grown over these past four years in yeah. a way that i couldn't have imagined uh, you know when i came here in freshman year for so, sure yeah yeah man it goes it goes pretty fast huh for it does the senior year especially fast. Oh yeah, it's senior. Oh my God, it's I, I cannot believe that it's April approaching May. I just it's it's crazy. I think uh, and even though like I thought it'd be a little bit longer because you know, we'd feel a little bit longer because now we're five days a week and that's not something we've done for the past two years. We've mm -hmm. been you know three days on, two days off, and right. you know that's 
maybe a bit easier on the scheduling, but five days a week, it's just gone super fast. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just cannot believe it. It's just, time has flown. Yeah. Well, we're certainly going to miss you next year. You've been a great leader here at Gilman and, Thank you, so you know, much. Yeah. um, I've, I've admired the way that you carry yourself and run the model UN and just are yeah. involved in so many aspects of the community. Yeah. Um, yeah. And no, and, and you too, you've been an awesome advisor and, you know, you doing the, the, the podcast and doing these new things at Gilman. And, um, I think you, for the Gilman news, you did the, uh, the crossword or like the cartoon section, right? That's all these like new things that you've done has kind of inspired me to just, you know, step outside your, step outside your comfort zone um, just bring something new to the community. Um, and yeah, I've, I've uh, always, you know, admired that about you. So, Thank you. Yeah. 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 The, I forgot you're also Gilman news. So yes. Yeah. So yeah. you're a part of Gilman news, uh, model UN tennis, yes. soccer in the fall. I, I did soccer in ninth grade and ninth then grade. I, um, I just decided to focus on, on tennis, but yeah. GTV, 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 the yes. Cesare here. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, done some commentating for that that was something i like picked up follow my my junior year so it wasn't like model you or red cross where i i picked it up early it was something that you know my actually my parents uh you know encouraged me to do it because uh we all watch sports and you know i always like they always like how i give some nice comments about the <laughs> game at going on they're like hey you know you don't you have a gtv you have a your broadcast network why don't you yeah. do some commentary i'm like yeah you know let's give this a try and see what happens and I loved it. It's, it's fun. Yeah, it's so fun. So fun. Just um, how did you get into tennis? How did you start playing tennis? Um, I I started playing in fifth grade. Um, that was uh, you know we we had a like a racket club kind of courts near our thing, and I, I I took tennis lessons and I played from a middle school team. Um, and then when I I thought I was good at tennis until I came to Gilman, and you know I saw the level that the guys that were playing at here and. Uh, you know, it's it's crazy how he, I was telling everyone, like, I thought I was good until I, I came to this school and I saw the level of the tennis program. And I think uh, freshman year, I played fresh off and then 10th grade, I played JV. And then that that's when COVID hit. And I took COVID really to just work, put put in the effort, just in, try to increase my game as much as possible. Um, and I think having that such a competitive tennis nature here and the program has been really awesome for the past eight nine years we've you know won the championship i think that's really forced me to just step rise to a new level mm -hmm. you know put um put in so much work and to try to just make the team you know making the team at gilman is, is a monumental task yeah. at hand you know uh, just because everyone here is is so so good so, yeah yeah you think about i mean just in my opinion, like all of the sports that are really heavily spoken about at Gilman, lacrosse and, you know, football and baseball. But yes. I think tennis goes so under the radar. You guys are the it most does. outstanding sport, I think, that we have here at Gilman. Yeah. I, at least I one so, of the top yeah. ones. Yeah. You get a banner every year undefeated this year, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so far. So. What has it been like uh, this season and, you know, having lightning? And yeah. Uh, this year is, I think, my my second year on varsity. So uh, it's it's been great this year because it's you know regular season, no masks. Yep. Um, and this year we've we've started to play some of the DC schools out of the MIA conference. And you know the DC schools, a lot of them are you know where the real competition comes right. from. Sidwell, right? Sidwell, uh, we played Landon yesterday, Potomac, uh, all those kind of schools and. Um, it's been great just especially when you play schools out of that conference you really you bond together with your team because you know you hey you're representing maryland you're representing like um you're representing gilman you know mm -hmm. at, a, at a much higher level so it's it's been awesome i i play doubles for the team and it, I've, I've always played singles but coming on varsity it's i've had to learn how to play doubles and you know it's it's pretty pretty difficult it's a whole world away from singles so yeah, it's it's been an awesome experience. I uh, I wouldn't trade it in. So, nice. Yeah, yeah, for anything. And you guys are doing pretty well, right? Yes. Yeah, we haven't lost so far. We have um, a couple matches, couple matches this week, and then hopefully we can keep that momentum going um, and into the rest of the season. We've the the rain and all the weather. The yeah, that's true. High weather has been uh, pretty hard for us, especially you know we're we're always outside. So 
yeah, yeah, it's, it's been going super well. And, you know, a lot of upper cl- underclassmen have joined the team, a couple of freshmen, sophomores. So, and I think six of the guys on the team are seniors. So it's, and we're all pretty close friends. So it's, it's been great. Good leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been great to bond that way in the classroom and on the court. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good luck with the rest of the tennis Thank you. season. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the instrument, I'd love to talk yeah. to you about the for instrument sure. you play. I'm, you might have to pronounce it for me cause I forget what you said, but yeah. tell me a little bit of how you started playing the, the instrument. Yeah. Um, it's called the tabla, uh, tabla, tabla. tabla yeah. Uh, it's an Indian percussion instrument similar to the bongos. It's two drums. One is a, a melodic higher pitch drum and one is more of like a, a, a bass drum. And you play simultaneously. Uh, you p- play both with you know your fingertips and you, your fingers. And uh, I started playing in like third, fourth, fifth grade. We, um, I, I used to take lessons at my, my local temple and we found a great teacher who... Um, he did Indian classical singing, and then he also taught us tabla. My, my brother and I, we we both start at the same time, so we would learn from him, and we would, uh, you know, play in his his concerts, his student concerts, and we'd play like duets, me and my my brother and I. So, um, and then I I came to middle school in eighth grade. I had this idea of you know maybe trying to play play it in uh, the jazz band. I had seen a lot of the you know the best tabla players in the world and the the best classical tabla players. They you know, they do these things with the Berklee College of Music and they come to, you know, they, they, I've seen them like collaborate with like Yo-Yo Ma and, hmm. you know, all these top Western artists and they've all like created such awesome fusion, fusion music and super unique. And I thought, hey, why not give that a try with uh, my school's jazz band? And it, it worked out great. I, I loved it. And, and I was able to teach all the rest of the, the, the jazz ensemble about what the instrument was, you know, how I could incorporate that into the band. And then when I came to Gilman, I, I kind of w- continued that in the upper school jazz band. So uh, with Miss Nkeba's ensemble, and uh, I've been in it for four years. And it, it, it hasn't been easy. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to, you know, play an instrument that not really anyone knows about. Um, and, you know, that first day when I came into Gilman with the tabla and, you know, everyone was like looking at me and they're like, hey, you know, what, what is this? And they, they were super inqu- inquisitive about like what, what it was, how it sounds and which, which made me super happy because I was able to, you know, uh, talk to them a bit about my culture and um, something that I was really passionate about. So it's been a blast, awesome experience doing it these past four years in, um, in, in jazz band. So it's been a bit of a progression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what what do you think separates a like top double a player from like a begin like what what is the skill? There's the pace of the finger movements or yeah, it's um most of the classical double are formed from these compositions, and so you create these compositions in the different. Did you have like a sixteen beat cycle? You have eight beat cycles, six beats, five beats, and you you create these strings of compositions that that you call them a, a kaida. Um, it's like um you play a theme and then you play all these variations and then you kind of the best double players, you know, they, they can play for like an hour on end and playing at like such top speeds. I think, yeah, it's the, the, the speed of your fingers. It's definitely like the ingenuity of the compositions. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I've, I've like watched some of them on YouTube and it's just mesmerizing, you know, you can't even like, you you can barely see them move. It's just like a blur all over the drum and it just takes years and years and years of practice. So I think, um, you know, I, I went to India in 2017, like when I was in, I think, seventh, seventh grade, summer between seventh and eighth grade. And I was able to take some lessons there from a, a tabla teacher in India. And he had trained a lot of uh, great students. And the level there is just insane, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's really hard to say because uh, these compositions, like, you know, your teacher gives them to you. Like, I, I know a bunch of different kaidas and... Um, but the the real ones like the the top players like they create their own and they like add these little flares and uh different types of like unique takes on the, mm-hmm. those like simple 16 beat cycles which i think separates them yeah Got it. it's it's yeah interesting uh, was yeah. that the first time that you that you've gone to india in seventh grade uh i had been like two other times before so i went you know when i was in third grade and like we had went one time before that it's so i've been like three times um 
2017 was like the last time I went to India though. So um, we have we have a bunch of a lot of family there. Uh, my dad and mom, their extended family lives in India and stuff. So um, I think we're hopefully gonna make a trip in December for nice. a family member's wedding. So oh, yeah, great. yeah. It'll be great to see everyone. It's such a such a cool place. What's it, yeah? What is it like there? I've uh, I've thought about yeah. maybe going over. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, last in 2017, we spent like around a month there, and so my dad's from Mumbai, um, and we we stayed with one of our family members there, and it's just so so different. Like yeah, you know, you can you Baltimore is a city, but when you go to Mumbai, it's you know you take the concept of a city to a whole it's a, different it's level. A real city. It's a real city. I mean. Uh, <laughs> The amount of people just like all packed in yeah. such a small area. You know, everyone lives in an apartment there. There's like no spaces for house houses there. You know, all the rickshaws. You have, you know, vendors on the streets sell, selling all these different types of food. There's the distinct smells there. I think mm-hmm. um, it's 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 so different. I think uh, and everyone people in India I think have like a different type of you know, mindset, especially living in a city where you just kind of have to be a little bit more pushy to, to get by. And, um, it's, it's really, you know, helped me take in this perspective, like how slow of a pace we take things here in the U S I think, especially, yeah, it feels, I I feel like in India, when we go over there, like everything is just moving so fast because everyone's like super packed together and everyone's like really connected. Um, and like, everything is open there all the restaurants open doors and people just walk in and out and you know the rickshaw rides like you can wave your hand and you know a rickshaw will just come and you know take you wherever you want to go and it's Hmm. it's, it's just i i don't really know how to describe it. it's just different i think it's um and it's really helped me just connect to my culture it's been awesome going there whenever whenever we can so and mumbai is like where geographically and it's um it's it's in like toward the center so my family is originally from gujarat which is like toward the western side um but you know mumbai is like kind of just you know the main hub of india bombay mumbai um it's yeah my dad he did medical school there and you know he lived there um in like one of the small kind of apartment complexes around um, Mumbai and they have like these little different sections so yeah it's uh it's it's like the main main hub there and we we take trips all all the time to Gujarat where a lot of our family lives as well and that's more a little bit more rural but um, still kind of has fast-paced city vibe as well really yeah even outside of the major major hubs yes I think from like where our family is in Gujarat, it's about like a four or five hour train ride. Um, and still people are, you know, fast paced, fast paced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Mumbai is just a whole different thing in itself. I mean, and the weather there is just so different. Like we went over the summer, like the, the summers in the U S is like monsoon season over there. And it's like super hot, but it's also, you know, there's rain, like, rain at a level that you wouldn't expect i mean you like cannot even go outside because you'll like get drenched like the literal second you step outside and it's it's crazy how much rain comes yeah. there, and it gets like really humid and and uh just the weather is we talk about weather in maryland being like so volatile but in india it's a whole different story so yeah you think yeah. the summers in baltimore are humid wait till you exactly see. yeah exactly yeah and you know, they have their own methods of coping, you know, with the, with the heat and, you know, ice cream and <laughs> Indian, all that kind of stuff is, is a big thing there. So that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been awesome to go into summers and because you can kind of compare what it's like there and here. So Interesting. Yeah. And the book recommendation you brought today is an yes. Indian writer, correct? Yes, Jhumpa Lahiri. Um, my, my, like, I, we have a couple of her books at home and I, I kind of just found this in the shelf, like, it was, it was over spring break I read this, and I had read some of her short stories uh, last year in the 11th grade Mr. Al's English class, and we did a whole personal essay unit um, just in preparation for college apps and stuff, and so I decided to read, you know, The Lowland. Um, what is The Lowland yeah. about? It's uh, about these these two brothers uh, from Bengal, which is in the south, the south, the southern part of India, and uh, it kind of follows their story as, um, you know, they live in this village where they have the Communist Party kind of coming and taking over. And one of the brothers ends up becoming a, like a leader of the, that Communist Party. And another brother moves to the United States. Um, and it just kind of follows their paths and how 
the relationship between them, you know, grows, you know, farther apart, but also they also grow a little bit closer, although they're geographically distant. And what, what I found super interesting about the book was how it uses like the unconventionally, like different perspectives mm-hmm. of um, storytelling, like every chapter, the, uh, the perspective shifts. So, it, you know, it goes from one brother to the brother's mom and one of the brother's wives um, who like moved that. to the U.S. And, you know, it sometimes switches to like someone in America who was like a friend of that brother. And it uh, she writes it in such a masterful way that um, although it is talking about, you know, Indian immigrants, and I think a lot of her, her work is about um, Indian people moving to America and assimilating with American culture, I think her themes about, you know, brotherhood and love and um, assimilation with new environments is something that I think speaks to all readers. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, and she she makes a lot of references to you know Indian culture, and I think also she tries to teach readers you know about like Indian culture and in this case Bengali culture. And I think uh, it, even for me, I've, I've learned you know more about my own culture by reading her book. So it's uh, it's yeah, it was an awesome read, and it was uh, yeah yeah. I love that idea. It's something that I've thought about a lot is like the nature versus nurture question. And it sounds like that just these two brothers that are like biologically related, but they're growing up and having completely different experiences and how they might change because of those nurture experiences, but how they're the same, you know, because they're, because of their roots. Right. Um, I think that's just a, just fascinating concept. Yeah. Yeah. And she, in you know, the two brothers, she makes it a point from the beginning to show how personality wise they're really different. And so like the readers can maybe get a hint that they're going to go on divergent paths as they grow up. And I think, uh, especially with this unique way of storytelling where she changes perspective every chapter, uh, you can see this nature versus nurture and how their thought processes are different and um, you know how the brothers, although they grew up under the same roof, how differently they, they think about you know the, the history and the, the communism and that's taking over their village and town and country and stuff. So yeah, it's uh, love it. Yeah, great, great combo of history, but also, you know, more traditional Indian themes. And uh, I, I think um, she, she just does a, a great way of incorporating all these different types of themes and motifs and stuff. So great. Yeah. Well, I'll put the lowland on the, uh, on the reading list. I'll yeah. also recommend one of her short stories that I read recently is yeah. the interpreter of maladies. And it has similar, I think she writes pretty similar thematic stories, but it's about a, a family, a husband, a wife, and I think three kids who are visiting yeah. India. Okay. And yeah. the uh, tour guide um, is, you get this character who's the tour guide, and he's kind of observing this family dynamic um, as an outsider almost. And there's a rift, I think, between the father and the wife. Yeah. And uh, the tour guide actually becomes attracted to the wife, like or, over their over their visit, and yeah. he starts to like think about her and maybe having a relationship with her right. d- in the distant future. And yeah, you're kind of yeah. seeing his thoughts, um, which I, I like too. That you get like that limited per- perspective a bit. Yes. Yeah. Um, but then the wife reveals something to the tour guide and kind of just changes that d- dynamic of the story. I wasn't really sure how the ending would would fit or yeah. but i love the way that she ended this i think it's probably a 15 16 page story interpreter of the maladies yeah and that's also the name of her right her short story collection so yeah i'll, I'll add that as a For as sure. another yeah, a, similar, wreck. a similar thing happens in this book where like one of the brothers marries this indian woman and then she ends up marrying the other brother and moving to the u.s with him and then that changes the dynamic in how the other the, the first brother remembers and thinks about the second brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and she uses like the characters to kind of still talk about the brothers. Like in the story, I, I feel is centered around the two brothers, but the number of other characters she introduces in their lives and talks about them from their perspective, I think, uh, you know, shows that the similarity between nature and nurture and, you know, um, different, different perspectives. And right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's, I think, and I haven't read much of her, but I think she's just very good from what I've read of like building out a full character from those different perspectives. Because yeah. like I know you, Mana, from one point of view, right. but Cesare knows you from a different point of view. And exactly. if you can get all of those different perspectives in a story, it just makes like a real, 
realistic version of someone. Yeah. Yeah, for so sure. For I think sure. that's a great, great wreck. Yes. Um, yeah. And thank, thank you. you very much for coming on today. I appreciate, yeah, thank you. appreciate the time and uh, best of luck to you. And, you know, sad we're going to be missing you here at Gilman, but you've yes, done a lot of yeah. great things for the school. Thank and, you so much. Yeah. You know, you've been a really impressive leader. So I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that you came on the podcast thank today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Again, this was an awesome conversation. Yeah. Uh, uh, super sad that I'll be leaving in a couple months, but, um, you know, this was an awesome memory to take with me. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you, Manov. Thank you. Appreciate yes. it.